Chelsea fans, welcome back to another edition of the Lab from Matthew Hart and Send Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Holcomb. The club we all love is back where it belongs. One of the four main teams alive in Europe's greatest cup competition, the Champions League. Nobody said it would be easy, a fair to hold off a feisty Porto side in the second leg to advance. However, the mentality and the spirit in the dressing room has risen a level with a squad full of grit, tenacity, and pride for London. Once again, this season, the Blues will have to continue to prepare for a demanded schedule, turning around in just under four days to face Premier League leaders Manchester City at Wembley Stadium, Evelyn, Saturday in the FA Cup semifinal. I'm so excited to welcome back onto the podcast, Chris Winningham, co-host of the official Chelsea FC podcast, Chelsea Mike Dub. Chris, thanks so much for joining the podcast again this evening to record. How's everything going? Everything's going great. Really excited for this uh, run in here of this season for Chelsea. It seems that I, I looked at the fixtures for the first time in a while. Every game's massive. Uh, starting first with this FA Cup semifinal. Obviously, you got Champions League. You got like three London derbies left. Uh, it is an absolutely sensational run in from just a spectacle standpoint. And really, the question is, is how many competitions can Chelsea leave feeling with a sense of pride and success and accomplishment? Well, thanks once again, Chris, for calling to the podcast. It's really good to be talking with you. Just in late January, right before Frank was fired, the club looks like heading into another offseason without a trophy, right? The last time we talked was after Thomas Tuchel's first win with the team back in early February against Burnley at Stamford Bridge. And, and boy, have things have changed since then, right? Chelsea are not only in two semifinals, like you mentioned, the Champions League and the FA Cup, but also a huge top four Premier League battle. And it looks like we'll once again come down to the final day of the season. But over the past two months, just to start out today, what have you been impressed by mostly with Thomas Schuchels and his staff? And how have they revitalized the squad to their full potential? I have to start with defense. You have to just start with how relentlessly solid they are, except for when they play West Bromwich Albion for some reason. Uh, but other than that, every game you go in thinking, not only are Chelsea probably not going to give away a goal, they're probably not going to give away that many chances. And that is just such a departure from where they were. And to do it with a similar amount of personnel, it's interesting when you kind of gather all kinds of perspective. It does seem as though one of the things that they were vulnerable to was defending on counterattacks. And it's largely because of a lack of pace at times at the back. And so to see basically that defensive structure make up for that. And also you look at those two sixes when it's Jorginho and Conte, who I thought, I mean, I thought Jorginho was sensational in the game against Porto in midweek. Um, but it really just comes down to that defensive structure and how solid Chelsea are from back to front from a defensive point of view. And then you saw in the Palace match that style kind of progress a little bit in terms of the attack and the chances that they created and the goals that they scored. You want to see that more often. But most importantly, particularly when you're in knockout competitions like the Champions League and the FA Cup, is can you start with a zero and go from there? And Chelsea are very much that kind of side right now. You mentioned the defense. I think it's also like everyone has each other's back, right? But especially in that defense, everyone knows that they have to give 100% every single time they step out into that pitch, right, to keep their place in the manager's plans. A good example of that, just in that defense, is Ben Chibble, right? He's talked about thriving off the competition with Mark Salonzo and Emerson, the squad, even the center backs, right? The rotationally, Kurt Zuma, Antonio Rudiger, even the likes of Diago Silva have been dropped due to performances based off of Christensen and Rudiger over these past couple weeks. So there's a bunch of competition in this Chelsea squad, which I think is pushing these players to give 100% every single time they step onto the pitch. But I want to transition now, of course, into this humongous FA Cup semifinal tie with Manchester City. And following City for the time you have, Chris, over the years, witnessing their power hold 
on the Premier League right over the past decade, it seems like, with Roberto Mancini, Manuel Pellegrini, and now Pep Guardiola. What's been the most important factor in your mind in the effort to form one of the best squads, but also academies, right, England and Europe, for the fact that a historic quadruple is in the realm of the possibility? I mean, obviously, loads and loads of money uh, is part of the reason why. You do have to consider the manner in which they go about spending their money, because it's interesting when, like, for example, right now, Erling Haaland is out there and people are linking Manchester City to him. When Kylian Mbappe has been out there before, even Harry Kane is kind of out there now because of the report from The Athletic that he might want to leave Spurs. Man City have ever actually never really spent the massive transfer fee on the best player available. Particularly under Guardiola, they've gone about squad building. And the players that they bring in sometimes take a little while to come through this year. Uh, although Ruben Diaz has been a bang-on signing in, in central defense, uh, there aren't too many in the Pep Guardiola era like him where straight away they come in and make a huge impact on the team. It usually takes a season, which for me is what Ferran Torres is going through right now. I think he will eventually be a huge con contributor to City. He just hasn't been this year. So it's kind of a sustainable bit of building with real depth in the side. And they're able to make eight changes in between the Premier League and the Champions League and still feel the ridiculously good side. So really the curiosity for me will be how seriously they approach this FA Cup semifinal. But ultimately, it's that depth along with the style, right? It's the possession style and making it so difficult to play. And what I find really interesting about this semifinal is how when Chelsea do get the ball, where do they receive it? And kind of what position are they to keep on playing after they receive it? Because City are so good that even after they lose possession of the ball, they're right onto you to win it back. So what kind of quality can Chelsea play with to make them a little bit uncomfortable and play out of some of those pressure moments? And I actually think you can take a page from how Borussia Dortmund handled that Champions League tie. You mentioned Ruben Diaz, where he came in last summer for $75 million. And you talked about Manchester City's and their record signings. That fee hasn't been too high, which is why it's been surprising to see them being linked with the strikers that they've been linked with, including Harry Kane and Erling Haaland. But like you mentioned, they've just been using their money so wisely. They have a lot of it, but they're not going out and spending $100 million on a player. They're going out and spending $60 million on a defensive midfielder, $60 million on a center back going forward and you're kind of starting to see that with Chelsea which is why I'm interested to see if Thomas Tuchel is going to do anything with the defense this summer because I know defense has been so great on Chelsea under his control right now but I think he wants to get that first choice center back that can be his long-term guy going forward a lot of people are talking about striker 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 I want to see what he can what he's going to do from defensive midfielder back this summer transfer window I think that's something to look out for as a Chelsea fan but moving on into the semifinal because you talked about Chelsea on the ball and when when the city win the ball back <clears throat> I think this game could really be going into penalties just because of the fact that both fences are just so solid so so solid and a lot of these offenses for Manchester City and Chelsea I think kind of I guess balanced out as the word for this so what are your thoughts on the game tactically wise going into the manager matchup because both managers it's going to be interesting to see, right? Because there's always that talking point of which manager breaks first in the FA Cup because we've seen the likes of Chelsea, even Thomas Tuchel just last round kind of rotate a lot. But this is a semifinal, right? And you talked about how great Pep Guardiola's squad is, even though he, if he does quote-unquote rotate. What are the lineups going to look like come Saturday evening? Because these two managers, Thomas Tuchel has never beaten Pep Guardiola actually in his managerial career. Can Saturday evening be the first one? And how is he going to do it tactically-wise, do you think? Well, what I always find interesting is that I don't think 
Thomas Tuchel would prefer to kind of be like, I think his preference would be to out Pep Pep, essentially. I think he would like to have a side where he'd have, where they'd have more of the ball and would dispossess them and win the ball off them. That's just really hard because Pep Guardiola is so good and has so many good players and has been drilling this particular city side for four years now. And so it's just hard to, uh, to beat Pep at his own game. And so I do think that in some ways the Chelsea that he's created with this system, with this three-at-the-back system, with the defensive solidity, is kind of the perfect counterpart to how Pep wants to play. Because, again, you have to figure out ways through them. And the only team that has figured out ways through them routinely is West Bromwich Albion. And I just don't think that's going to happen again. And look, they were down to 10 men when they did that. But I can't remember. Even, you know, Liverpool had a majority of possession when they played at Anfield and Chelsea won that match. The teams that routinely break Chelsea down through the middle by playing in behind them are not that many. And so I do think ultimately, if you're talking about tactics, the tactic is to frustrate them. Like it is to, is to really get city in a space where they're uncomfortable because you can tell pretty quickly watching man city, their level of sharpness, how quick their passing is going to be the, the, the movements off the ball to open up opportunities. If they're not finding them early, it could be a long time before they do find them. So in my view, it has to be a, a, a tactic of how do you shut down what Man City do well, make them impatient if you're going to take care of this competition. But the one thing we know about City is that they take the FA Cup seriously. They take the Carabao Cup seriously. They are they want to win everything. And you mentioned that quadruple. Really, the first peril that they're going to face is going to be on Saturday when they play Chelsea in the FA Cup semifinal because... In the Carabao, they've had a fairly easy go of it. In the Champions League, you can probably say the same thing, having played uh, Mönchengladbach and Borussia Dortmund after not that difficult of a group. In the Premier League, they're sailing. So this is kind of the first bit of doubt that they're going to have in terms of playing 90 minutes against a really good team that, that can knock them out of one of these four competitions. Maybe Chelsea can use that blueprint that Porto tried to implore in that game plan going into the second leg especially. And you look at the stats from that Leeds United game last weekend, Leeds committed a lot of fouls, right? I mean, they had a red card. They <laughs> yep. were fouling City whenever they got the whenever they lost the ball back. Of course, Chelsea's not going to play as open as the United are, but maybe that's a tactic going into the game that Thomas Tuchel imposed, especially after seeing his side absolutely be destroyed by Porto tackling-wise mm -hmm. the, all over the pitch on Wednesday evening. But I want to move into the fact that both of these teams, of course, they're two favorites for the Premier League title next season, right? And a lot of people have talked about how this game maybe could be a holding point and a second point going forward next year. Maybe Chelsea are, what, 13 behind, points behind Manchester City this season. They're not going to win the title, of course. But going to next season, they can lay down a blueprint to win the title next year and send City a message going into the season. Maybe these two teams even met, meet in the Champions League final, and that'd be something seeing them meet in Istanbul in a couple of weeks now in May. But going forward, what do you think Chelsea can do to send a message to Manchester City? Because like you mentioned, they've been kind of sailing through this Premier League season and no one's really been challenging them. But going to next season, you look at the likes of Manchester United even in the second place. They're really not giving them the challenge. I think that Manchester United are probably one of the worst second place teams in Premier League history. And going forward, Chelsea are probably the team challenge the most right going into the summer and seeing what these two teams can do budget-wise. But what are your thoughts on this game Head into next season because maybe not, maybe not now. Chelsea can't compete with them in the Premier League, but come next season, this game could really be a blueprint to see what their success can be come next fall. 
it's it's an interesting point, and we actually thought after the summer signings that maybe this would be the year that Chelsea would begin that challenge, and obviously they weren't ready for it. So I, I do think that what we've seen this season from Thomas Tuchel and from Chelsea, obviously their results in the Premier League since he's taken over are that of, at the very least, a club who would have contended toward the top of the Premier League. So if you kind of replicate that over 38 games, but you wonder how Chelsea are going to improve from an attacking point of view. And I think ultimately that right now is what separates City and the rest of the league is you know week in, week out that City are going to get probably two, if not three goals. And they have a definite way of achieving the goals that they're scoring. You would have said that about Liverpool the last couple of seasons. They have completely fallen off in that respect. And so... I think right now what separates Manchester City from both Manchester United and Chelsea is that knowledge of how they're getting their goals. It doesn't even matter who they come from. Like, okay, Gundogan's their leading scorer. scorer. It doesn't matter who they come from. You know that they're getting them. You know that they're getting the goals. And so that is not the case for Chelsea, and it's not the case for Manchester United either because they've just played enough inexplicable results in which they don't get a goal, and it looks obvious that they don't have a way to get the next one that... I think they're going to have to figure out kind of what that next step is, whether it's a player, whether it's a systemic thing. But for the moment, I just don't think Chelsea have enough going forward where you know where their goals are coming from for me to say that they're going to mount the title challenge. Maybe that can change. Maybe Thomas Tuchel completely scraps what we've seen so far this season. It was just purely a function of the squad that he had and the best way to achieve results while here, and maybe in the offseason with a preseason and a, and a summer to buy and sell players, it will look different come next season. But for the moment, I just don't think for a league campaign where you know you've got to get X number of goals and you've got to be a two and three goal a game team, I just don't think Chelsea is there yet. I think also you talk about teams that are below Manchester City right now on the likes of Tottenham. You see a lot with Manchester United, of course, but even Chelsea. It's relying on that individual brilliance from a player to get that one goal, and that's what they have to rely on this season. But City know that, they're, like you said, they're going to get two, they're going to get three goals every single game because they have so many players that are so clinical. Phil Foden's, of course, emerged as one of the young superstars in Pep Guardiola's frame. But now I want to move into one of my favorite segments of the show, pre-introduced kind of recently, but I call it the One Football Trivia, and it's from the One Football app for football. It's a great app for soccer scores, and it gives us this great trivia before the matches to preview the Chelsea versus Manchester City semifinal tie on Saturday. Chelsea, unluckily, have lost four of their last five FA Cup ties against Manchester City, including a 2-1 loss at the same stage in 2013. However, they did win their most recent tie in the FA Cup before the semifinal, 5-1 in February of 2016. Manchester City have won six of their last nine meetings with Chelsea in all competitions, of course, being the Blues 3-1. But what looked like the beginning of Frank Lampard's downfall in the beginning of January. Well, and actually, also not not to interrupt you, Shane, but it was also the beginning of Manchester City's rise. Up exactly. until that up until that point, mm-hmm. Manchester City had not been that good in the Premier League, and that was really the launching point from for yeah. for one of the runs you know of all time in English football. Was it twenty four wins in twenty five? They have now something like that. It began at Chelsea. 
it seems like it's that's a tradition, right, for Chelsea this season is they're, they're reigniting team seasons right now. But like to mention, City have lost none of their three meetings with Chelsea at the new Wembley Stadium. A lot of these are bad omens for Chelsea. Uh, being them 2-1 to one in the 2013 FA Cup semifinal, like I mentioned Come on, earlier. Shane, give me a good stat. Give me a I'm good sorry. stat for Chelsea. I'm sorry. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Chelsea have won seven of the last eight semifinal ties, losing only against Manchester City. There we go. Oh, oh, we were on our way. And then, of course, there's the losses of Manchester City. Uh, this is actually a pretty cool one. Thomas Tuchel would be the first ever German manager to reach the F English FA Cup final. Moving on to Pep Guardiola, we talked a little bit about him. He's unbeaten in all of his five manager meetings with Thomas Tuchel's side, with all three of those coming between 2013-2016 when he was in charge of uh, Bayern Munich, of course. Another staff from Manchester City, Sergio Aguero. Uh, Chelsea's kryptonite has scored six goals in his 10 appearances at Wembley Stadium for Manchester City. His six goals are more than any other Manchester City player has ended at the ground combined. No player has scored more goals in the 2021 FA Cup tournament, this is what I want to get into next for Chelsea, of course. Tammy Abraham has scored four goals for the Chelsea in the FA Cup this season. Real quick before we end up the trivia segment, Metro City's Kevin Bourne has been involved in nine goals in his last eight FA Cup matches, scoring four and assisting five, of course, will be a vital part to Metro City's side come Saturday then. But hopefully also Tammy Abraham will be in the starting 11, of course, I know Matt Laws wrote a lot of articles about Tim Abraham recently. He talked about him not getting enough minutes, of course. He's still been very supportive. He's very popular in the dressing room, but now he's just having to get those vital starts on Thomas Tuchel in these really important games. So going to Saturday, Tim Abraham, of course, has played in every single FA Cup game. If I'm not mistaken, he's probably started in all of them as well. And, of course, he scored those four goals that I mentioned earlier. Of course, one coming in the last round to get into the semifinal for this Chelsea Champions League side. But Chris, it's there, right? It's apparent that Tim Abram is not getting those minutes for Chelsea right now. And he has, he's not even getting the starts. He's not even mentioned on the bench, but he's in the squad and he's a striker that's in the FA Cup. He's really come alive in this competition this season. Even last season, if you remember, scoring the FA Cup a lot also. But Tim Abram, he's Chelsea's number nine, of course. He's Chelsea's leading goal scorer in all competitions this season. But just so far, Thomas Tuchel hasn't been able to get that number nine t-shirt in his starting 11. It's kind of interesting, right? Because you think that Thomas Tuchel thinks of Timo Werner as being that left number 10 role that he's played with over these past school weeks. And I think that only really, I talked about Kai Havertz being in that number nine role, but I think those true number nines in Thomas Tuchel's side are probably Olivier Giroud and Tim Abraham. That's probably about it right now. So going into that Manchester City tie, Tim Abraham, I'm not sure about his history of Manchester City, but going into the FA Cup tie at Wembley Stadium, this is a big game for Tammy Abraham to excel because he's been so great in the competition. But do you expect Thomas Tuchel to pick him come Saturday evening because he hasn't been picked in any of the last two weeks in the starting 11? Yeah, it would be, it actually would almost be unfair to Tammy Abraham to pick him at this point because you'd want a player to be on form and at least have had some recent minutes. It's been a long time since Tammy Abraham has appeared in a match. For Chelsea, if you're if you're saying go to the bench and find a striker, I actually think it'd be more likely that he turned to Olivier Giroud. I mean, Giroud has been so good for Chelsea and period at Wembley. Uh, they call it his garden, and so why not allow him to tend to his garden? But if you look at, I mean, Tammy right now for the forward three positions, he's probably seventh on the packing order, which is really harsh on the player who, as you mentioned, is Chelsea's leading goal scorer this season. But right now, it looks like that front three is Pulisic. Havertz and Mount as his preferred three. Then beyond that, you have Werner. Then beyond that, you have Giroud. Then beyond that, you have Ziyech. And then probably Tammy comes in at number seven. So for three positions, he's really far down the pecking order. And he, obviously, there is 
some questions about what his future will be, some contract negotiations to be done. Obviously, the idea would be that Tammy Abraham could carry on at Chelsea and be given another opportunity, but I do think he's kind of got to fit to Tuchel's way of playing first. And I think when you look at kind of if Havertz is the one who's preferred, it would be, be because it would be because Havertz does so much in build-up play, coming back, has some quality on the ball and some skill on the ball. So maybe there's some technical things to sort out. There's probably some pressing things to sort out as well uh, from Tammy Abraham's point of view because we know he's got a striker's instinct in front of goal. Um, so there's got to be other reasons why he's not making the side right now. But I can't imagine, even as well as he's played in the competition, that given his lack of recent minutes and given, I think, probably how seriously Chelsea want to take this match in terms of fielding a really strong team, that you'd pick someone who hasn't had much fitness and had much form lately. It's just unfortunate, right, in the unstriking. You bring up a really good point about fitness but also form because he hasn't started, I think, for Thomas Tuchel since that Newcastle game, if I'm not mistaken, when he got that injury, of course, that kind of caused him to miss some games for Chelsea. Of course, that really highlighted when he played against Southampton that next week. He came back really from injury. They got pulled off at halftime. That was really a dark point in his season so far for Chelsea. But like you mentioned, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Olivier Giroud start for Thomas Tuchel come Saturday evening because he has been so great for Chelsea in the big games this season. But also, Wembley, he likes to score at Wembley, like you said, especially in those semifinal ties in the FA Cup. That's what I'll move into right now before we end up the episode is our preferred starting 11. What I'm going to do, though, is ask you what your preferred starting 11 is, and then I'm going to go over to me talk about why I think Thomas Chuko will pick. So first, what is your preferred starting 11 come Saturday? But also, for me, what I think Thomas Chuko will end up going with. Now, my opinion about the FA Cup is not one that's terribly well-received in the Chelsea fan base, because obviously Chelsea love to win things. But I think at the moment, you have to treat the Premier League, even still, in a Champions League semifinal, the Premier League is the number one priority. Being in the top four next year, it's just really important. Like, for the sake of, like, if you're a Chelsea supporter and you want them to go out in the transfer market and buy a big-name player, they got to be in the Champions League. Have to be. So that's number one. Number two, you have a Champions League semifinal against Real Madrid, right? That's monumental. And you can win it. You can get to a final. If you can get to a Champions League final, you do it. And so I do think, given the fixture congestion, given how many games are still to play, a Tuesday night against Brighton, I mean, I would make the case... Winning a Tuesday against uh, winning Tuesday at home against Brighton is more important than beating Manchester City on Saturday. I'm sorry, I, I just think that it is. I know you want to beat Manchester City on Saturday, but beating Brighton is more important because if you lose to Brighton, then your Champions League hopes are in a really difficult spot. So I, after that lengthy preamble, would rest Pulisic, I'd rest Havertz. I don't think you have the option to rest Mount. I actually think he's going to play next to Jorginho in holding midfield. Uh, he came on as a sub and did that against Palace. And I think N'Golo Kante is still recovering his fitness. But, like, if you said Callum Hudson-Odoi starts ahead of Reese James, wouldn't mind it. Marcus Alonso starts ahead of Ben Chilwell, wouldn't mind it. If, if Giroud starts, if Werner starts. Hell, even if Kepa starts in goal. Like, I, I honestly wouldn't mind almost six, seven changes uh, for this uh, this champion for this FA Cup semifinal. So, in my view, I think it will be a lot of changes and – it's probably what I would prefer if I were a Chelsea supporter. I'm, a, I'm the neutral observer on Chelsea mic'd up. Uh, if I were a Chelsea supporter, I'd be like, you know what? FA Cup semifinal. If something has to be sacrificed, it would be this. Let's see if we put our best foot forward with a rotational squad, what it would look like. Hopefully it's not a hammering, which I don't think it will be. I don't think no matter what, it's going to be a hammering. But I think 
you do your best with some of the players who haven't featured a ton recently. Very interesting from your perspective. I think that Brighton game on Tuesday would be quite the XG game, as us football fans like to say nowadays, because <laughs> Brighton's XG has just been a fantastic talk about talking point this season in the Premier League so far. But once again, like Brighton, I'd much rather have a team like Crystal Palace be coming to Stamford Ridge because Brighton have a lot to play for, right? I mean, their Premier League status is still on the line probably for next season, even after wins against good teams in these past couple weeks, even after good results for Brian Hove Albion. But going back to that Manchester City game, I think that once again, we'll see, we will see rotation. It's interesting, right? I think you, you talked about Kepa. I think Willie Caballero is going to start this game. I think he is because wow. Thomas Tuchel, I think he's thinking about penalties. And when you think about penalties, Willie Caballero quietly is one of the best goalkeepers with penalties in the whole Europe. We're talking about. You don't, you don't think this is like a you don't think this is a Louis Van Gaal in the World Cup semifinal situation <laughs> where he's gonna keep her in extra time? It's interesting, right? Because what if Edward Mendy starts this game, but if penalties come around, do you sub in Willie Caballero? <laughs> well, I mean, that, there's always like a political thing with taking out a goalkeeper, mm. but I don't know. Can, like Caballero's, and we talked to him about this on Chelsea Mike Up. We had him. He on hasn't the pod. played in forever. I know, but we had him on the podcast. And we talked to other players. Uh, there was this great clip of Cesc Fabregas uh, who told the story of Caballero on penalties. And, like, his, his record is unassailable. Like, I, I, I don't know. If I were a goal, I, I wouldn't have an argument. I mean, Caballero's so good at it. Yeah, go and try and save a penalty, man. I love to see Caballero playing this game, especially if you talk about giving Edward and Mendy a rest. It's just been so brilliant for Chelsea. Looking forward to those Brighton and Real Madrid games. Throughout Old Willie there, I think it's been – I think it's been since the West Bromwich Albion game that he hasn't even stepped foot on the Chelsea pitch so far. So it'd be his first appearance under Thomas Ducal. Bam, bombshell right there. Willie Caballero starts on Saturday evening. And then I'd play. I just, it hurts me to say Mark Sawans will play. But I think if you talk about what Thomas Ducal will do, I think Mark Sawans will come back into this game. Even though I think Raheem Sterling's going to be on that right side, running right out on the whole game on the left wing back role. I think right wing back. I think I'd stay with Reese James, but on left wing, this comes an interesting argument, right? Because Christian Pulisic, man, the match, two games running now. But I think, like you mentioned, I, I just I think we need some more attacking talent going into this game because I think we could concede one or two goals. I think we might have to outscore City in this game. So I think I'd play Pulisic, and I think Tuchel will play Pulisic. I, I think this is what I think Tuchel will play. So I'm going to go with Pulisic on the left. And then Mount has to play on the right-hand side, right? I mean, he's been absolutely vocal to Chelsea's attack. But then, but then who do you have next to Jorginho? Because I, I, I just don't think it's going to be Conte. Like, that's too much of a risk. Do you play Billy Gilmore? You could. You could. I mean, those are your two choices, Gilmore or Mount. And I'll be that's really curious when two, the team two go, comes Two go one play Billy Gilmore in the FA Cup game. I got to get back from my injury original thoughts. So Alonso will play. Puistic will play. Jorginho will definitely play, especially if we're talking about penalties. I think Reese James will play. And then I think oh, I, I, it's tough, right? Because you talk about we need to save our talent going forward in, in, in the Premier League. But I think Kai Havertz is going to play again. I'd like to see Olivier Giroud play. I think Kai Havertz is going to play again. And then that center back role, I think he's playing Thiago Silva just because of how big the tie is. And I think that in the Premier League, he can play Christensen. I think Thiago Silva probably needs this game also just get back into form. And then alongside Thiago Silva, it's it's so hard because we have so many games. So 
I put Zuma next to the Agua Silva because I think we've seen this partnership work and then I've, of course, put Dave on the pitch. But what are your thoughts of, of a Jorginho and Billy Gilmore midfield? I, I wouldn't hate it. I, I think it like I want to see Billy Gilmore more under Tuchel. And he played in the FA Cup uh, quarterfinal against Sheffield United. I thought he played pretty well in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tuchel seems to have like this bugaboo about him not having enough physicality to play in central midfield as one of those sixes. But I, th- I think he's got it. Like, to, like, and he's got like such skill in the ball. His passing is so sharp. He runs the game pretty well. I think he and Jorginho would make for a good combination. So mm. I'd like to see it. I just think the more likely scenario is that it would actually be Jorginho and Mount as that mm. kind of that double six partnership, and we see uh, Mount play a little further back. Interesting. Interesting. I'm I'm, I'm going to throw out that whole idea of me thinking what Thomas Trigger will pick because it's such a hard thing to do. <laughs> I'm just going to go back to preferred starting lineup. I'll pick yeah. Giroud up top. And I, you know, I play, I play Hudson and Doyle on the left-hand side, and then I'd put Pulisic on the right. I'd play Mount and Jorginho in midfield. I'd play Reese James, the right wing back. I'd play Ben Chu, I left wing back, and then I'd start Dave. I think, I think you've got one too many, Shane. I think you've got, I think you have one too many because you've got Hudson and Doyle, Pulisic, Mount, and Havertz. That's oh, no, a, that, that, that's, that's a four-man attack. Because I put Mount in the midfield. Oh, okay. So, so you have Mountain mm-hmm. with Jorginho. Yeah. Okay. So I put Mountain right, in midfield, cool. and then I put Havertz. Well, I, I'd say I put Giroud, Pulisic, Hudson Odoi as the front three. Mount Jorginho in the midfield too. Chilwell and James like to see against the Man City in the Premier League talents. And then I I, I play Asper the Quaid. I think you have to play him as the captain. Thomas Tuchel was talked about as a point importance. And then I pick Silva because I trust him the most. And and Rudiger because in in this mm-hmm. B games he, he's he's been really vocal and, and but also he's just brought this swagger to him that, that not a lot of Chelsea center yep. backs have in these past couple of years so it's a whole conundrum but right before we get going Chris what is the key one on one battle we talked a lot about the players who could be playing but a specific area of the pitch that you're looking forward to watching but also players that you're looking forward to watching going up against each other from the opposites and sides going to Saturday evening this might sound ridiculous but three Chelsea central defenders against an empty Mm. space Mm. because Man City have been playing mostly with a false nine and really nobody up top. And so with three central defenders, are any of them going to get drawn out so that space is opens up in behind? How do they handle kind of not having strikers occupy, right? Because that's generally the job of a central defender. So how do they handle the fluidity of Manchester City's system where, you know, Kevin De Bruyne might start in the middle, all of a sudden ends up out wide right, and, you know, Bernardo Silva, who's wide right, ends up in the middle. How do you trade off the assignments and make sure you've got everything covered without being too drawn out and kind of going and, and, and leaving spaces in behind you for Kevin De Bruyne to pick out passes? I think it's ultimately... Without a without a, a focal point, without a striker up top, I mean, unless City does go for Aguero, but even Jesus, when he mm. plays, it's not like he plays the striker position in a traditional sense. So, how do you handle this non-traditional setup with your three central defenders and without kind of being pulled out or marking nobody? I don't want to see Sergio Aguero play for Manchester City. That's for sure. Come Saturday <laughs> evening, it seems like everyone for City this season has played at striker, right? Of course, you talked about yeah, him. he's played there. De Bruyne just played there. A couple of days back against Borussia Dortmund, but then you have the likes of Silva. You could probably even play Mares there. You can play Jesus there. It seems like everyone. Ilkay Gundogan is sometimes their striker. Exactly. It's crazy. And crazy. It's like it changes around during the game too, right? It's like not one focal point. So it's hard in the way that Pep changes around his system, even just in the game. But before we go, Chris, I want to talk about prediction for this game. 
What do you think will come? What would you think will happen when the final wrestle blows? And does this game go into penalties? Uh, I don't. I, I I don't think it'll go to penalties. I think Man City will go through to the final. I'm, I I think I'm on Chelsea mic'd up. I went for a two one to Manchester City, and that is what I will stick with. It'll be a two one, and Man City will play the winner of Leicester and Southampton at Wembley for another bit of domestic silverware. Mm. Very interesting. I'm not even going to prediction because I'm terrible on predictions, and it seems like every time I pick Chelsea to win a game, like I did very astoundingly against West Brom, a five 0 win, they lost five to two. So I'm just wait. You picked a five 0 win. Oh I my picked goodness. a five 0 win against West Brom. Oh my so goodness. We'll see what happens come Saturday, and then before we go, Chris, talk a little bit about your, of course, your experiences on Chelsea mic'd up, but also yep. the last couple of episodes you've had because Alexa Mateo Kovacic, but also a really interesting interview with a guy like Timo Werner who really could use some playing time in these next couple games to get that confidence. He just needs to put the ball in the back of the net, it seems, right now, right? And we, and we talked to him, too, like kind of feeling as though he was turning a confidence corner. Yep. Uh, and I do think that the the international break was not helpful uh, to Timo Werner. Um, and he's come back, and I think he's got to find that confidence once more. Maybe this FA Cup semifinal is a place for him to get it. But, yeah, we really enjoyed our conversation with Timo Werner. Really fun guy. He's got a really good personality. Kind of an open personality uh, for a footballer. He's kind of like emotionally available, which is uh, not something that you hear a lot. I, I thought Mateo Kovacic is very similar. He had a cool uh, kind of bit about his family, and, and he, he just had a, a, a young son. So that kind of evolution in his life. But, yeah, I mean, that's been it's been a fairly remarkable run of guests we've had on Chelsea Mike Dub this season. Chelsea have really um, come to the table with some incredible guests. We've loved having the chance to talk to some players. And that's ultimately what we offer on Chelsea Mike Dub is you can get, uh, you know, interviews with coaches and players and, and insights from within the club that you aren't going to get from other places. So uh, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcast. Chelsea Mike Dub, the official Chelsea FC podcast. And uh, you never know who we're going to have on next. Mateo Kovacic is the guy who's really like his pronunciations, right? Mateo Kovacic. Yes, and Pulisic. Kovacic. Pulisic. Oh, no, no. He, yeah. he, 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 it's not Pulisic, Pulisic for him. It's Pulisic. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. and many commentators agree with him. But uh, I guess like my – so I am a commentator myself. Yeah. My feeling is always you'd say it how the player would want it said. But mm. what happens when the player is wrong? <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, he is not – but like I imagine that's happened to a lot of – uh, you know, Croatian people that come to America yeah. that have IC for a last name becomes Ick because that's what the American tendency is. And look, I mean, he, he's ultimately the one gets to decide. Christian Pulisic decides who he, he's called. If Mateo Kovacic wants to have a go, he's Croatian. I'm just another American. I'm going to call him Pulisic. And it's interesting to see, like, the differentials between a broadcaster like Sky Sports and Pulisic's name and then a guy like Arlo White calling him Pulisic, right, just because yeah. of the tendency to do that in America. But once again, I'm pointing mm -hmm. everyone to pause the episode right now. Go rate and subscribe to Chelsea Mic'd Up because every single week they're bringing new great content. Go check out their previous episode talking about, of course, our big FA Cup tie, but also previewing our Real Madrid tie because it's just a huge tie for this club. Of course, we're back in the Champions League semifinal for the first time since 2014. Your last thoughts on that Champions League semifinal, Chris, because we're back in it for the first time in seven years. And just a couple of months ago, this didn't even seem likely that we we're going to even get out of the second round, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I was definitely optimistic about Chelsea's chance against Atletico Madrid. But yeah, mm. given that, you know, you fire your manager just before the tie, you're not exactly going into it in the best shape, but clearly they found that identity, and I think they've come across a pair of opponents who not really even wanted to lay a glove on them. So uh, it'll be curious how Real Madrid approached that tie and how Chelsea do as well. Like, you know, do you just kind of repeat this identity that's been working for you? Do you give Real Madrid a go? Do you attack them a little bit? 
So I'm really excited about this semifinal round. Not, not even just Chelsea's uh, participation in it. But yeah, I mean, from our standpoint, to be analyzing Champions League semifinals and to be so close and to not like, I mean, again, a year ago they played Bayern Munich in the round of 16. Bayern Munich were incredible. You probably weren't going to beat them. You didn't beat them. And that was the end of that. No matter who you play, you feel like you have a chance. If it's PSG, if it's City, if it's Real, Chelsea feel like they have a chance. And that's all you want as a fan is feeling like you have a chance. And so uh, from from my standpoint, I'm really looking forward to uh, this semifinal. I can't wait to once again, of course, play around Madrid because it has been so long since we played the Giants from Spain, of course, going up to Madrid for that first leg and then coming back to hopefully if we're knocking on win, maybe even 5,000, 10,000 fans in Stanford Bridge come the later ads of May. But once again, Chris, thank you so much for on the podcast today. Once again, subscribe to the Chelsea Mic'd Up podcast because this is very brilliant. Of course, you guys can find us on Instagram at Lad from Matthew Harden Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Shane Hokum13. And I believe you can find Chris Winningham at Chris Winningham, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, indeed. <laughs> so give, give him a follow, of course. And then, of course, give us both and five-star rating interview on our podcast because it both helps out our podcast massively. Until next time, Chelsea fans, though, stay safe. Hope we can get a massive W against Metro City. This is going to be the first time and might, what might be a recurring theme for Chelsea going forward. Maybe they're playing the underdark card against City, but also Real Madrid in the, ne- in the next couple of days. So, once again, thanks, for, Chris. Thanks for joining the podcast. Until next time, Chelsea fans, though, of the Chelsea.